And welcome back to the PCS Podcast, your home for all things competitive Pokemon TCG. In this episode, we're going to be going over the results from the Portland, Sao Paulo, and Singapore regionals. And then we're going to dive into a quick MetaShare study. We're going to go into everyone's favorite segment, what did Drew play and not win with at the Portland regional. And then we're going to uh, finish up with a listener question and predictions for Hartford and another regional whose name is escaping me right now. I am Drew and with me as always is Justin. Justin, how we doing? I'm doing great, Drew. Um, had a crazy, or not crazy, but a, a busy week since we last talked. Um, not work this time. Work was actually not too bad. Um, but just house projects, uh, sick kid, Pokemon, all kinds of stuff. So a little good, a little bad mixed in. Um, just been busy though. Um, I mean, we're actually recording much later than we normally would for, uh, for all you guys, because I actually just left a team challenge or yeah, team challenge that I played in and got home to record with you. Yeah. Very cool. I, I also heard that you repelled off of a building this weekend. What was that all about? Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I don't even know how I forgot about that. Honestly, just so much stuff going on. Um, yeah, so there's a local charity um, that here in my town. Um, it's a Pace Pace Women's uh, Center, so it's like helps women and young girls in like uh, rough situations and things like that, um, abusive families, um, and it's kind of like a school almost where they put them in and give them like special um, classes and attention, help them with life skills and stuff. So um, my brewery, we donated towards it. Um, and we raise money, and w- one of the ways they raise money is you have a representative that repels down this big building in our downtown, um, obviously with group professionals and stuff like that. So um, I repelled down a 10-story building, um, you know, to uh, help this charity out um, with, you know, women in need. And then we did we hosted a uh, big, uh, like, beer garden thing afterwards, which they, which they sold beer and raised money that way, extra money that way as well, too. So... Just a really cool event. Um, I've you know I've always been kind of adrenaline adrenaline junkie outside of Pokemon, so uh, this was just something no one no one in the brewery wanted to do it, and I was just like I jumped for joy when I heard that we could have a representative go up there. I was like I'll be the representative, and yeah, it was just it was really really cool actually. Yeah, no, that's that's super sick. I've always been interested in doing something like that, and like crossing skydiving off my list and stuff like that too would be super duper fun. I'm hopefully. I can uh, do something like that in the future myself. That sounds great. Uh, my weekend, uh, my wife and I and our dog drove up to Portland, Oregon for the regional this weekend. We got a killer Airbnb with a jacuzzi and stuff like that. So it was like super homey and uh, it was just a really comfortable situation. I was only like 15 minutes away from the convention center too. And we were like on the outskirts of town. So we didn't have to deal with all like the nastiness that downtown portland has to offer but other than that uh it was really cool uh all friday i did testing with uh some of my friends and then i met a whole bunch of people just kind of walking around after uh, registration and so on and so forth uh but i spent most of the night trying to figure out what i was going to play um i was like pretty invested in playing gudra this weekend and i just kind of walked my way out of it because in testing I wasn't feeling the hot hands with the flower selecting, 
And after my last regional, tying four times, I didn't really think that I'd be able to complete two wins in the set amount of time that I needed. Uh, I don't regret not going that route, but I ended up landing on Arctina, and we'll talk about that list a little bit later, but it was cool. Um, I had every intentions on doing well, did not, um, and then I wanted to go play the cup the next day, but we'll talk about some topics here in the news in a little bit that kind of made me a little weary about wanting to go play in another Team Northwest event. Uh but yeah, overall, good weekend. We literally made it home from Portland two hours ago. It's a very, very long drive, and it snowed, which was uh, <laughs> kind of crazy because it's wild. Uh, it's May, <laughs> yeah. But uh, you know, driving over the Sierras, that'll happen to you. Uh, but without further ado, let's get into the results recap. Results recap is powered by Ultimate Guard, and when it's time to upgrade your TCG storage or just to resleeve your favorite deck, be sure to check out Ultimate Guard's premium accessories. Portland, Oregon. 1,088 Masters. What took home the whole event, Justin? A deck that uh, you and I are actually very keen on um, in the form of Arctina, um, which I believe that I guessed to win the whole event last time, so point for Justin. Um, but this deck was piloted by Landon Keetler? Kettler? Kettler? Um, sorry if I butcher your name, but... Um, Playing the kind of the standard Arctina list that we've been seeing with the the four three Arceus, the two two Giratina, two two Babarel, and the single Squovit, which ended up being uh, if you you're on Pokemon Twitter, as everyone saw the VIP of the top cut for this event. Um, just an absolutely insane card. Busted. Every deck should play it after this point going forward. <laughs> um, but yeah, just kind of just the normal run-of-the-mill Arctina with the, the one of spicy uh, cleansing glove in there, which has seen a lot of play in decks lately. Uh, what do you like about this deck, Drew? Uh, four boss always sticks out to me. Any deck like early Duraludon list that played four boss were always super sick. And, you know, I I'm not saying that like, I wish I had a thought of it first, but like there was just no point in my mind where I thought I would need four gusting options and straight up boss's orders, but you know, it ended up coming in very, very handy, and I love the way that the list shakes out afterwards. You're only running three research, one Raihan, four judge. That's your supporter count. Super consistent. If you need it, you got it. Uh other than that, it's just a four count of just about everything except for switching cards. Uh, the one belt, one cleansing glove was kind of a hot topic of discussion this whole weekend because you can hit 280 on Gardevoir, but the choice belt's not going to help you get that 310 because it's not a V Pokemon. So the cleansing glove fixes that math and it kind of seconds as a great choice belt option for uh, the Mew matchup too because the 310 uh, balances out either way with the cleansing gloves or the choice belt um, on Mew VMAX. So. It's a great call. The deck is super duper good. And, you know, the Squabbit will get you literally anything you want. So definitely make sure you're <laughs> taking that into your list in the future. Yeah, yeah, the the Cleansing Gloves is a great, cool tech in there. And, I mean, you could even do cheeky things um, that I, I mentioned earlier, pre, pre-recording we talked about. That would be a wild play to go in with Squovit Double Turbo and a Cleansing Glove on it to take out a damaged uh, Zacian or something like that for extra prizes and... Um, just cheeky things you could do like that. But yeah, the high counts of boss, I guess, is the main difference in this list compared to most Arctinas. But it kind of makes sense, especially with playing that Squovit and the Barrel Line. 
Um, I, my list, I'm playing two research at the moment, and I kind of find myself not necessarily needing the research often because once I get set up, I'm kind of just squove it by barrel, squove it by barrel, and I don't really want to discard a bunch of stuff that I might need later on in the game. So um, having that just heavy you know, disruption or just bring up whatever you need whenever you want it with the, the bosses is a kind of a great thought. Yeah, uh, I tend to agree. I love the list. It's super consistent. I wouldn't be surprised if I played it at Locals tomorrow. Uh, second place, though, uh, Reagan Retzloff. You know, no stranger to top cut finishes, but this dude's been tearing it up in Masters. Their first season in Masters, and this is... The, the list kind of dumbfounds me because we're so used to seeing like a very heavy item... Uh, Lugia list, but this one's playing four Ultra, four Capturing Aroma, three Urn of Vitality, two Nest Ball. That's it. Those are all your items. Like you don't have the four four ball count. You don't have the Lost Vacuums or the Spicy Rope or anything like that to kind of get you through your matchups. Uh, but this list is kind of sick. The one one Urshifu. You know, we saw our guy Nine Card kind of shed some light on this, and now people are really putting the work in on making this the way to play. Uh, an unstoppable Lugia list. This one doesn't have the auto loss condition against things like Duraludon, so it's a really cool uh, to see this. But one thing that really stands out to me is the lack thereof energy. Like, wh- what are your thoughts on this? I mean, this is kind of like within the last couple of weeks, the way the list have kind of been evolving, going more relying on pure single strike and heavier you know we were seeing a lot of lists with just two urns and this one's kind of going in with the three urns and really relying on cycling those single strike energies back so even though it seems like the energy is a lot less than it used to be or what we were used to at least previous format um the energies kind of make sense and are just streamlined to allow you to play such a heavier um supporter line so you can just find those things that you need when you need them um, one of the energies that we don't actually see, though, um, that most lists are playing currently is that regener- uh, regenerative energy, where when you evolve a V2, like a VSAR or VMAX, um, it heals 100, I believe. So kind of one of those techs to uh, mitigate like a, some early cram damage or something like that in Lost Box. Um, instead, Reagan decided to go with that, that third gift energy, but I think that's really strong. Especially once, you know, you get kind of set up and you don't really want to research or you playing, you know, relying on judges and things like that and small hands. And because judge is so prominent in other decks, if someone's judging, judge pathing you and then taking a knockout, well, at least you're able to draw into a few more cards because of that gift energy. So um, even though it is a lower energy count, I do like the counts on this. Um, yeah, I, it's... Pretty much what, like I said, we've been seeing in the last few weeks as far as how Lugia has evolved, but um, I really do like the direction this is going. No more Duraludon. I like I like that tech, but you don't have to rely on those crazy, uh, I think they're not spiral energies, but the impact energies. Yeah. Um, you can just go heavy with, like I said, the single strike energies and a couple other colorless, and you get your Urshifu um, knocking stuff out left and right. Yeah, there was one play I saw on stream where Reagan was attacking with the basic Lugia V that does X amount of damage, but they also run Penny. So if it's not getting knocked out, you can actually Penny your Tyranitar or your Lugia back into your hand and preserve those energies you dedicated to it as well, which I think plays into why it's okay 
to uh, have so few energies, but then it's like, how do you get them back into the deck? Because you can't judge the same turn that you penny, um, and they don't play nest dash squabbit, so it's like, how do you recycle them and reaccelerate them with Archeops? But uh, this is just, it's super cool. Like, again, people coming out with the Lugia Spice, and it just, it looks like there's so much in the deck, but how do you find the spaces? Uh, I guess some things never change. Yeah, I agree. And then same thing, like how you mentioned the Penny. I, that's why I've actually been a fan of Thornton instead of Penny. Like I do get Penny brings it back to your hand, but Thornton is just one of those cards that it it's similar to Penny in the fact that it doesn't allow you to get stuck behind the uh, the Mall while, um, but it also you know say they knock out something like they're like oh i see he's setting up the urshfu i'm gonna go ahead and knock that out early and you're like surprise thornton it back and you're good to go and start swinging so um penny's a great card but personally the way i've would be playing it is with thornton but then again i'm also not second placing at a a regional (laughs) currently so um i can't talk too much yeah, I mean, neither can I, but, you know, it's it's just something to see from afar. Uh, but overall, the single strike Lugia is definitely not to be trifled with. Uh, not the spice that I suggested was going to be good this weekend, but it's still very spicy. It's still very cool to see a deck like this doing well. So let's shift our attention over to Sao Paulo, Brazil. 765 Masters, and this was won by uh, Felipe Solis playing lost zone toolbox radiant greninja uh this is your you know i don't want to say it like your cut and dry lost a uh, lost zone box list but you've got your double sable eye your double cram obviously for comfy raikou drapion dragonite that's pretty staple in these lists right now but what i really like seeing is the two four seal stones and one sky seal stone so you have the variety game pivoting turn with these wonderful abilities depending on what your matchup is and you know other than that it's lost box and it's kind of hard to stop because there's no clear-cut counter to this deck other than like floor cat for klefki but for klefki is not going to win you anything yeah i personally love this version of lost box right now like this is the way like not this obviously list specifically but this is the way that i have it built right now um I haven't done too much testing with it because every time I go to play Lost Box, I'm just kind of like, do I feel like having bad comfy draws or bad chorus draws? And I end up going to something else. Um, But if I were to play it, this is the version I really like because that Sky Seal Stone attack can just be, their play can be so incredibly strong. And even if you don't need it, the fact that you are playing the Vs and you have the Forest Seal Stone to just grab that card when you need it, is is really good um and your matchup spread is just is incredible i mean you're playing the drapion for the mu matchup you're playing the raikou for um anything that has a really heavy bench really that can so it can pump out a lot of damage and also lugia um and then the dragonite just is a powerhouse that can knock out most v's and basic V's. well actually they're not playing the choice belts but can do a lot of damage so they can knock out you know they say they just go super turbo and they can knock out a basic v before it has a chance to evolve super strong and then of course you know you've got your basic your normal sable line cramorants in here which are just like as we see all the time incredibly good even though they're doing small amounts of damage at a time sable eye is a menace so i really like this list um and it's to me no no shocker that you know this was our first place deck list yeah, the 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 deck is gas. The the two 
what is it? The two lost vacuums to get rid of the tools after you've used them if you need to, or get rid of the stadium that might be holding you back. Uh, you know, turn one uh, Mirage Gate is so achievable with something like this, and you know, it's it's unstoppable. I just there's just no hard counter, and that's what makes the deck so good because uh, Weezing's out of the format, so this is just really, really, really powerful. Um, second place, uh, Damian Fernandez playing Mew, and this is a little bit of a technology Mew. What do you got? So one of the cool things that we see in here is not only is it playing the Dreepy, but it's also playing the Pidgeot V. So some of the, the spicy techs that we've seen in uh, Mew decks of the past have both been brought in, into here to come to play, um, as well as things like Cleansing Gloves, uh, Echoing Horn, which sees the you know sees play in and out in Mew decks, um, a Collapsed Stadium, which is something we haven't seen in Mew deck in a while, um, but it makes sense that they're you know doing some chip damage with you know Sableye on something like a Genesect or something like that. You can easily play that down and get rid of the damage Genesect, so it negates damage. Um, seeing just we're seeing the Silene make an appearance back in there because a lot of people have been taking it out recently. So yeah, just really cool, interesting list, and it's amazing with a deck that is already so jam packed with things uh, that they made it all fit. I mean, I, they took kind of some of their counts down. Like it looks like Battle of VIP Pass. They are only playing two. No, it's still a four count. It's just behind, is it still four. It's, just it's behind that nice uh, medal that says finalist. <laughs> ah, gotcha. Yeah. But either way, I mean, it, it is kind of incredible that they made all these tech cards fit in this deck that's already playing so many four counts of things like Cramomatics, Power Tablets, Double Turbos, Genesects, all this stuff. So really, really cool list um, with, like I said, all the techs. Yeah, no, it definitely has everything you need to um, handle a marathon, if you will. But, you know, this deck could have very well won. Damien did, unfortunately, get a double prize loss for a double draw in the finals. But... You know, we'll never know how that da that game would have turned out regardless. But, you know, Mew still stays very dominant. Uh, they're eyeballing up that one cleansing and one uh, choice belt tech as well for the Gardevoir knockouts and so on and so forth. And maybe even for the uh, return Mew knockout, if you will. But, yeah, super strong, super sick list. I love the Pidgeot being able to shuffle in the resources that you may not need that turn to be able to uh, draw with more off of the uh, fusion strike system so yeah it's very teched out and very successful and we're going to dive into the singapore regional um, league quarter two had 189 competitors but there's only one person worth mentioning and that is the cash man himself uh played arctina you know another very consistent uh, Arctina list, the 4-3 count of Ar uh, Arceus, and then the 2-2 two, two count of the Giratina, 2-2 two, two Bib, and the God Squabbit. You know, four pa uh, three path, four judge, still very, very strong. I love the three checking shoes to be able to draw yourself out of a bad judge uh, that you might give yourself. And it was really cool to see that uh, the double rope and the one switch is in this deck as well because I was very much so on the same train expecting a lot of Gudra action. And yeah, this deck is uh, kind of gas. Yeah, I mean, it, again, not a four count of boss, but a higher count of boss. Um, we are seeing the Professor's Research in here. 
uh, not going with the four count of the Path to the Peak. Um, probably realize that they only need three if they can stick them down at a good time. But yeah, uh, again, just proving that Arctina is a really good list. Um, it makes me a little sad that it did so well this weekend because that means everyone's going to be playing it. Um, my challenge tonight, literally like four other people were playing it. And someone even asked me, like, oh, you must be playing the, the winning lists. And I'm like, no, I played this last week. <laughs> yeah. So, but, um, yeah, Arctina is just, it. we, we knew it was going to be strong. And the fact that it's it's this is the second first place finish this weekend for this deck um, just solidifies that it's a solid choice all around. It's got options and answers, and it's got, like you said, the god squo of it. Yeah, absolutely. And that should be double points for you. Yeah, if uh, if Arctina wins two events in the same weekend and you predict it, that's like that's like <laughs> double points for you. Uh, hey, but I'll no, take it. Yeah, absolutely. No cleansing gloves. Uh, then they clearly said, you know what? I'm not playing against Gardevoir. I don't need it. And uh, turns out they didn't need it. So super sick finish. Uh, but with that being said, that's going to wrap up our our results recap, and we're going to dive into the MetaShare study. Uh, Thanks to Justin Basil for giving us these wonderful infographics, the top archetypes from um, May 8th. And, you know, we're looking at tier zero being Lost Box. You know, you can't look at any top cut scenarios without one or two kind of finding their way in there. And that really makes a lot of sense. Tier one being Mew. Yes, Drapion exists, but it seems like this, uh, this Path Judge variant is just incredibly strong against everything that may or may not be playing Drapion right now. Tier 2 consisting of Gardevoir, Lugia, Arctina, and Gudra. I'd say that that is um, pretty substantial. You know, Gardevoir did miss top 8 in Portland, which was kind of surprising. I knew a lot of good players were on that. And the day 1 Metashare had Gardevoir as the most played deck. So that's kind of wild to me. But then again, it's the same... um, thing that you were talking about before like you know if arcane is going to be played everywhere now because it's the it's the number one deck so now everybody's probably going to be shuffling that up the same way that everybody did with gardevoir ex post toward reclev uh being very successful with it so i don't know i think that uh gardevoir not seeing a little bit more hype is kind of wild i think lugia moving up um into uh the four spot makes a lot of sense but at the same time uh i think it has a lot to do with the duraludon being subtracted from those lists and that single strike urshifu kind of making its way in arctina staying pretty flat makes sense there were only seven of those decks in day two at portland and you know his and gudra is what it is it's just not a great best of three deck unless it can win two games really fast uh and then tier three miradon can't not talk about it it saw success you know it was played on stream and it was played to a very successful finish against a very good lugia deck and player combo so gotta keep that on your radar and then arctura very much so punch whatever's in the active and hopefully you draw your boss on time so yeah that's kind of how the meta shakes up justin do you have any thoughts my biggest one um I do get that, obviously, we and we all know and think that Lost Box is, is really good, but putting it maybe tier zero, I think, is giving it a little too much credit, especially for not having, like, an insane showing uh, in top eights. Like, I, yes, it did win one of the regionals this weekend, but outside of that, I mean, we didn't really see a lot in top cuts. 
Um, so putting that tier zero, I think, might be a little much. Putting that back in tier one with Mew would probably be more in my wheelhouse or what I would picture it as. Um, it is still very incredibly strong, but I do think you know people have found ways to get around it. Or get around it. Gardevoir to me makes sense though, um, like you said, and like I mentioned earlier. Um, when a deck does really well, uh, that means everyone's going to pick it up, and then that means everyone else is going to be countering that deck. So I think because Gardevoir, um, we've all seen it at our locals, we've all seen it at events, um, it's just running rampant everywhere, and that's why I stopped playing it, because I was like, everyone's going to be teching for it, and everyone's, you know, I, I didn't want to be teched for just for playing a certain deck because everyone else is playing it. Um, and I think that's what the issue is and the reason why maybe we didn't see more of it because everyone came in with those cleansing gloves. I mean, every single deck that did well this weekend seemed to have a copy of cleansing gloves in it because Gardevoir is seeing so much play by so many people, and that's probably what kept it down, dropping it down into that Tier 2. Um, Lugia, I completely agree. It should be in Tier 2, if not moving into Tier 1, as people are finding it a little bit more. That, that Urshifu just swings through anything. Um and it frees up a lot of space, whereas Duraludon versions kind of clunked it up a little bit, even though the Duraludon is strong in there. I do think Arceus, uh, or Arctina, um, is in the right tier, but I think it will, in the next couple of weeks, move into Tier 1 with more people jumping on it, since it did just win a couple of regionals. So we might see that move up some. But then again, going back to people might start countering it again. Um, and then Hsu and Gudra... I think it's a great deck, but too many people are playing Escape Ropes right now, so it just kind of hinders that damage reduction. Rhydon EX is an absolute pile. Um, I hate it. <laughs> I played it on Sunday at my locals because I went to my one local shop I hadn't been to in a long time. Saw like six people I've never seen before, so I'm like, oh, I'll play, I'll play a bad deck. Um, and it was bad deck was bad. <laughs> um, so I I vowed to probably vowed to probably not shuffle that back up for a while. Um, and then Duraludon, again, we mentioned it last week and the week before, just not enough special energies going around right now to make it strong. Maybe with Lugia moving, making its way up, it might come back in. But then again, like we mentioned, the Urshifu can swing through anything. So it swings right through Duraludon VMAX. So we shall see. Yeah, no, I tend to agree. Um, I think if Lugia keeps playing Urshifu, then Duraludon will unfortunately continue to fall. Uh but we're not going to be in this format for very much longer, so we'll kind of see how things shake up before then. I know a lot of people have their eyes pointed towards NAIC. Um, none of the decks that I had mentioned on this previous MetaShare study um, really broke into this um, infographic, if you will, other than Mirrodon. So I think that it's not a deck you need to tech for. But I think it is something you des definitely need to keep on your radar because if you don't test against it, you won't know how to beat it. And because I did test against it, it made my one uh, game against it very, very easy. So uh, definitely keep that in mind. It might be a pile, but I just don't think anyone's found the correct build to consistently get that turn one attack and steamroll from there. Yeah, right now it'll break itself. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you if you whiff at one generator, you kind of lose the game. So that always feels really bad. All right, so let's go into what did Drew play at Portland. And I played Arctina. Played a very unorthodox variant of Arctina. Um, 
in my brain, when I was building the list, I didn't think I had enough attackers. I knew I wanted to have Drapion because in my head, 4-path plus Drapion meant I win the Mew matchup, but that's not necessarily the case. It just depends on who, which Mew I play against, really. Um, overall, I just kind of played bad. The, the things I tested against weren't the things I saw, and the things that I saw, I really had to relearn the matchup on the fly because I actually didn't play a whole lot of Arctina at all coming into this event other than my one testing group day, which should have been a surefire sign to stick with what I was playing before. But, you know, nerves got the best of me. I jumped ship and I uh, unfortunately got bit for it. Uh, but the deck was good. Uh, I did tech in a one of Shaman V. And yes, this throws the price trade off very, very bad because if they knock out an Arceus, knock out a Tina, and then I leave Shaman V in the active, although it's hitting a whole bunch of damage with its Revenge Blast attack, it still only has 190 or 210 with the V Guard, but it also depends on the matchup you put it in at. Um, I really did enjoy it when I was playing against um, the Mew, because although I was taking out Mews with the Giratina, they were focusing the Tina the whole time, not keeping in mind that I can still potentially hit for a tremendous amount of damage with another double prizer that if they waste all their power tablets and they don't have any more belts at their disposal, could potentially withstand a hit with V-Guard energy, and the Shaman did come into play there. Now, I did start the Shaman against Urshifu in my round one, and that sucked. <laughs> and I, I basically started, attached energy, and passed and the second turn i drew another energy attached bossed up a a remoraid and i uh i got donked so that was uh basically the end of that and yeah but aside from the deck you know it did arctina things when it needed to i just should have played better uh but other than the event i had a lot of fun beating a lot of people uh, shout out to George, Caitlin, and Sam for swooping in on those Ultimate Guard sleeves that I had to hand out. And for everybody else who might have made off with a couple of dice this weekend, um, it was very cool to meet you all and have these conversations. And if you're listening to the pod now as a first-timer, welcome. And if you'd like to join the Discord, be sure to uh, hit us up and we'll get you in there for sure. Uh, but Justin, do you have any questions about the build? Yeah, um... I mean, I th I will say right off the bat, obviously the deck choice was a, a good choice for the weekend. We saw it win two events, so I don't think by jumping ship, um, other than for the lack of practice, that it was a bad deck choice specifically. I think it was just not enough practice, like you mentioned. Um, but other than that, the deck is very strong. Um, the one thing that's uh, outside of the, obvi the obvious Shaman V mm -hmm. um, that you played is the 1-1 one, one, um, the barrel line. Um, all the list, um, the list I play, uh, most everything you see is playing a 2-2. Two, two. Um, how did you feel with going in with a 1-1 one, one line? Did that feel like, um, were you kind of like... I'll just get the 1-1 one, one barrel every single time. If I don't get it, it's fine. I'll just play a supporter to draw cards. What was your thoughts on that? So the 1-1 one, one barrel, like, yes, streamlining it is great. But realistically, you know, you have 8 ball search, which is great. At least 
two of the Ultra Balls need to be dedicated to find evolutions, right? But if you're using two Ultra Ball that early, there's nothing else to thin out the deck other than two other Ultra Ball, which you should or should not have at your disposal, or one Lost Vacuum. And if you're not doing that, then you're just benching your other basic Pokemon to help you draw more because that's the only thing you can do to thin out your hand. Um, in my brain, when you get the 1-1 bib set up, if you need it, um, you're going to have a hard time thinning out without Squavit. And it made a whole lot of sense for me to just go down to 1-1 line. Like, if I have it, cool. If not, I could play more aggressively into my draw and get myself there. Uh, in hindsight, maybe like a two count or a three count of trekking shoes would have been better um, instead of the uh, Avery and potentially the uh, Shaman just to give myself that much more push on my draw. And like I know that now, but when I was thinking about Nest Ball not really being able to do anything other than congest your bench, it doesn't give you that thin out like Quick Ball did. I was having a hard time really justifying having... Bieberel, Squavit, and then potentially another Bidoof down um, just to help me thin out the first Bieberel without something like Quick Ball to help me thin down. Okay, sweet. Um, and then, obviously, too, with this deck, uh, the, the majority of the way that people are playing it, too, is um, heavier counts to judge um, than what you're playing because the, the strategy is kind of go, to go judge path. Um, and I do notice that you're only running the two judge. Um, granted, you're also playing the pal pad, which you can recycle those back in if you need to. Um, how did it feel playing just two judge? Was that uh, a card that you felt like you didn't see enough? You wish you saw more? Um, just how did that feel playing the two judge versus like a three or four count? As funny as it sounds, um, the judges were plentiful. Like in the matchups that I needed them for, I was judging at the right times and bricking my opponent correctly. Like my my round five opponent, uh, I judged them one time and I got to take five prizes off of that one judge because they could not get back into the game. And with the presence of mind of knowing that I had Palpat at my disposal, either through my prizes or through my deck, I didn't really think that I would need more than that because realistically you're not going to play four supporters of the same kind in one game you know you're going to play one appropriately sized judge maybe a gusting option a raihan then roxanne depending on how your prize trade goes and with that being said it was like yeah if i prize my judges then that feels really bad but at the same time you know you need to go into it thinking you have your whole deck at your disposal and that's exactly what i did so i felt like the judges were good I could have gone to a higher count to potentially put my opponents on the back foot more, but you know, if I wasn't judging, they were judging, and then I'd pull judge, and then I'd judge them back. So it if everybody's playing judge and if everyone's playing path, it's like both players are kind of getting manipulated in that sense. And um the matchups that I did play against, judge was at my disposal, but maybe a higher count and less research would have made more sense. This Serena was a last-minute uh, card addition as well because it was a third boss at one point, but that extra draw did give me the push sometimes to find that one Ultra Ball I needed to get the game going. Uh, but yeah, the three gusts felt good um, when I needed it, but yes, more Judge probably would have been better. 
Yeah, and that was going to just be my last question was how did you like the Serena over the the third boss? Um, but you just answered that. Um, I could see where that definitely could help you uh, in certain situations get cards you need um, or get rid of cards you don't need to draw into potential some cards you need. So, yeah, that's all I really have asking about the list. Um, a lot of the list we saw were not, or all the lists we saw tonight. Um, we're not playing Drapion. It's actually something that I do play in my Arctina list as well. Um, so I like, even though you know it is a heavy path deck, it's great for holding it for that certain turn with the Lost Vacuum and just going in against something like a Mew VMAX and taking, um, say you've already taken a knockout with the Giratina with a Choice Belt, um, and then just to easily go back in next turn or a turn or two later with Lost Vacuum, get rid of your own path or your opponent's path and put the Drapion into play super strong and i think more people should be playing it even for a heavy path deck i tend to agree i kept it in there because i don't like playing against mewtwo v union and i really want to have multiple outs so if i cleansing gloves one gardevoir for two prizes and then i could potentially raihan double turbo find that magical fourth hand attachment onto the uh, Drapion to get that attack going. Yeah, you're still knocking out uh, those big targets. So having that dark type attacker in there that also seconded as a Mew counter uh, made a whole lot of sense for me to run the Drapion in here. Yeah, a lot of people don't realize that that um, you can uh, Trinity Nova to uh, Drapion and manually attack with it as well too. I I actually did that tonight in a round against a Gardevoir player. Um, who with their against their Gardevoir EX, um, I guess they just didn't realize that even under path I could charge it up and attack with it and took two prizes on a Gardevoir EX uh, and had them under a path, so they couldn't even evolve another one and accelerate. So, um, yeah, just a really strong card in this deck, um, and I suspect it'll see some more play going forward because you popularized it. Yeah, no, I tend to agree. Um, <laughs> to another testament, though, Drapion in my Urshifu matchup took more prizes than Arceus and Giratina did combined. So there's that. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fills a bench with all those Rapid Strike Pokemon, and I get to attack for free. Uh, yeah. People tend to forget that it includes Rapid Strike and Single Strike Pokemon, too. Yep. Yep. And if they put the Urshifu down uh, in Lugia, too, that's they only need to put three energy on it. So that's kind of cool as well. Uh, but yeah, I'll go way more in-depth on my rounds, uh, starting from 1 to 5 for my 2-3 record um, uh, over at the Patreon. Uh, and you can find our Patreon at patreon.com slash pcspod. So now the hot topic. This is, like, not super fun for me to do, but it is something that I was, like, around. And I kind of hate, like, harping on people, but I also want people to do their jobs. So Team Northwest ran another event this weekend which was the Portland Regionals. And it didn't really go that smoothly. Round one pairings were posted on time, but there was still a line of people signing up for their respective competition and grabbing their swag and all their other stuff. So we had an almost 40-minute delay from pairings being posted to when we got to flip our cards over and start playing round one. After round one, the line to drop off your match slips was clear across the venue, lining up from the turn and desk to basically where the vendor's booth were. And that was like, you have the desk, there was all of the broadcast stages, plus the like back door, like behind the scenes media stuff, then the vendors, then the bathroom. So it was all the way across the venue. And it was ridiculous because like 
I lost my round one, so I didn't have to stay in the front line. Um, but everybody who did was like, okay, cool. So by the time we get through this line, round two pairings can't even be up because not everybody has their match slips in. Um, and then again, from round six to seven, there was another super long wait. I don't have the exact details about the exact amount of time, uh, but it was incredibly drawn out. And round nine wasn't even streamed due to time restraints because of all this disorganized stuff that happened before. Um, during this same event, there was another marked sleeve disqualification debacle. According to the competitor, the markings were consistent along the edges due to shuffling and the markings weren't facing the direction of the uh, competitor either, which is kind of sus. And on top of still having the 9 p.m. deck submissions the day before and pushing all of the vendors out onto the concourse with their thousands of dollars worth of Pokemon stuff out in the public for everyone to come by and see, um, this regional was just really mismanaged, and I don't know what Team Northwest has to do to kind of like get their shit together and i'm sorry but that's just kind of how it is yeah i did hear um that between round six and seven it was about an hour and 50 minutes uh in between that round uh i don't know why either i have not been able to figure out why but an hour and 50 minutes is just absolutely unacceptable um and just wild to me and then not only and this is something that you didn't mention. I don't know if you saw this, um, but because of all the delays, the they didn't finish day one until like ten thirty or later at night. And then because Team Northwest, and I'm just gonna be blunt about it, is so cheap, um, they pushed the start time or didn't push. They scheduled the start time for Sunday to seven thirty in the morning. So you have people who have traveled across the country, across the world. We have a lot. We had a lot of people from France here, and you know, all just all over, um, who are already kind of off on their time schedule. But now they're getting out super, super late. They have to get back to their hotel. They have to find dinner to eat at this super late time, and then wake up early and get breakfast beforehand, and then start at seven thirty. And then on top of that, and I don't know the exact time behind this, but I saw somewhere that they said they didn't even rent the venue out. They like they only rented the venue out till five thirty on Sunday, and that was the whole reason why they pushed the time so early on Sunday morning to start was because they had only rented it out to until five thirty is what I remember seeing. So we're paying, or we I, I didn't go obviously, but people are paying. $70 for this regional experience that Team Northwest goes, how cheap can we do this and how much can we cram into such a short time that it's less going out of our pockets for these spaces? Because it, I haven't been to a Team Northwest event, but at all the events I've gone to by Overload and, um, oh my God, I'm drawing a blank on the other one. Um, I apologize to the the people, but... um. Those events were run so well. You can get there on Friday. You can see things. You can do all your shopping that day. You can do, um, you can get a feel for the layout of the venue. You can get checked in, which just streamlines the rest of the weekend. Um, and then even on Sunday, when it's all said and done, like yeah, they're still they're breaking stuff down on Sunday. But at the same time, like you can go and spend the whole day there and just play and talk to vendors and do stuff. And it just seems like Team Northwest is like, hey, we're gonna make this event, but we're just gonna make it as quick and 
painful as possible because we just want to get it done with. And that's just not fair to the players and not um, not great to the spirit of the game, honestly. Like, I've seen many, many people starting to, like, and prominent players, like, a few people were kind of already boycotting Team Northwest, but now a lot of players are like, I will never go to a Team Northwest event again. And that's sad, honestly, because, like, regionals are amazing events. They're, like, not only are you competing for points and stuff like that, but, like, just the side events, the, the friends you meet, the the cities you get to explore and go to. Um, I don't know. It's just regionals are something super special. And, like, it makes me wish, like, ever since I started going to more, I, I kind of prefer regionals than I do my own locals. Like, if, I, if there was a regional I could go to every weekend instead of locals, I would be doing it. But I just obviously can't as a, as a dad and a husband. Um, so it, it sucks that these people who are going and sometimes their first experiences are these team Northwest, um, events and it's just poor and yeah, it's just, I don't know. It's, it's sad and it's unfair to the players and I really hope they get it together. Um, and maybe they learn from their mistakes, but this isn't the first time we've had issues with team Northwest and it doesn't seem like they're changing anything or making any kind of statements saying we're sorry. Yeah. And they're just they they're public on Twitter. They respond to a lot of stuff, but they it just doesn't feel like they feel a whole lot of remorse for the player base going through all of these hoops that they set out for us. Um, to one of your statements, I want to say that the venue is actually rented by TPCI, and Northwest operates within the confines that TPCI has allotted them. Um, so that's kind of on the Pokemon Company International. I know that. The TCG and the VGC and the Go regionals aren't necessarily a big money-making commodity for them, so I can't imagine them wanting to extend their budget that much further in terms of how long they can have the venue for. And I can't imagine that it's uh, inexpensive either, given how few they have on the West Coast and how many they have on the East Coast and how many they have dedicated to the East Coast, which is fine. I understand that the Pokemon scene is much larger on the east coast than it is on the west coast but when we have a few here can we please 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 not have team northwest anymore (laughs) like they're so bad at organizing and managing their time and it cuts into our time and it makes us you know if if i went to more regionals and i was set on a regional schedule like a lot of these professionals are quote unquote it would be such a shell shock to go to a northwest event and have to get completely out of whack like we still had a lunch break after having all of these breaks and intermittent pauses between rounds that made the day super duper long it was crazy yeah that's i mean the days like you said the days are already long enough and for all these delays and i get delays happen especially you know people playing control decks install decks and stuff like that but an hour and a half after one round is just there needs to be some kind of statement, and maybe there has been, and I just haven't seen it, or we haven't seen it, but a statement like, hey, we apologize for this issue that happened, our computer fried. Okay, we understand a computer melting down, but like the fact that it happened and no one knows, it's like kind of shitty, um, yeah. <laughs> to say the least. And um, I just, I couldn't imagine if I had been there, and like, I'm trying to fathom, because like, I'm a guy that likes my sleep, not gonna lie. Um, if I had competed until 10.30 at night, made day two, um, had to find dinner, 
go back to the hotel, shower, sleep, and mentally prepare for the next day, and then start at 7.30 in the morning, which is wake up, breakfast, get ready, travel to the venue, and be ready to sit down and play at 7.30, that's just, I mean... That's 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 like four and a half hours of sleep at best if you could do everything turbo. Yeah, exactly. At best. And realistically, you're probably sure, you know, you didn't. But like other people like me, whenever I go to regionals, I'm booking a Airbnb with like five, six other people. So it's like, am I really actually going to get to shower right away? Am I really actually going to get to sleep right away? So it's just it's one of those things where, like you said, best case scenario, four hours of sleep and it, just does not sound like a a fun time doing something like that yeah and like the competitors who compete they showed up you know they they took their small amounts of sleep in stride they showed up the next day they played very very well um but i think that team northwest has a lot of reflecting to do after this event but we'll uh We'll wrap up the hot topic for now. I think everybody kind of understands where we sit in the situation. And I do apologize for the uh, the explicit language, but, you know, My it's, bad. Fr- it's frustrating. <laughs> no, no, no. Was, that was on me, too. Uh, but, yeah, they uh, they got some uh, some big, uh, big hoops to go through uh, to satisfy the player base. But let's move on to the listener question. Caitlin, who met me in Portland, wanted this question asked on the pod. And they did get a pack of sleeves, which was very cool, too. Hopefully they snap a pick of whatever deck they sleeved up in that. Uh, what is your most cherished Pokemon TCG anime series or just Pokemon-related core memory? Justin, you go first. Um, tonight's League Challenge when I went 3-1 and still bubbled cut. <laughs> that's no, your most cherished memory? No, I'm, I'm just <laughs> kidding. Gonna remember that's that that's going to be... I'm going to remember that forever, but not being cherished. Um, no, uh, for me personally, um, I, so I've been playing Pokemon a long time and obviously like most people took a break when I was too cool for it. Um, there's a couple, this is hard to choose from. Like, obviously there's some, the moments from when I was a kid that are pretty cool, but not necessarily like super come front of my brain. Um, one of the memories, I guess, that I, ah, well, not even that one. I'd probably have to say my very first regional, um, I went to, which was Daytona regionals. Um, so Florida regional. So it makes sense for my first regional. Um, and I went with my group that was just like people I had become friends with through this game that I'm still friends with to this day, five, four or five years later now. Um, but we went to... We got an Airbnb at, or not Airbnb, we stayed at the hotel right there on the beach, Daytona, and there was a Starbucks in that hotel, and I was dead set on playing um, this one deck, and the guy in our group that was the best player at the time who no longer plays Pokemon, um, I was actually trying to get back into it, but anyways, uh, he is like, no, you have to play uh, Abilities Art, and I'm like, I don't know, I don't know, and... And we sat there and played and played, and he's like, dude, just play my deck. And we played it, and I was like, we have... And I was like, oh my god, I'm in love with this. So we scrounged up a bunch of cards from all of us, the four of us, and we built my deck. We built my lost... Uh, turbo... Sorry, can't talk. Abilities are deck. And it was just like... It was just so invigorating. It was like, dude, we're pulling cards together. We're making this happen the night before. And all of a sudden, Derek, his brother, was like, well, 
dude, let's do this whole team thing where I want to play Abilities Zard. And so we scrounged up cards and made his work. And then now we're calling like people like Jose Marrero at like 11 o'clock at night and, you know, sourcing cards and, um, and just the thrill of like, we've, we found this deck that we thought was, um, like it was a known deck obviously, but like last minute we're all like, this deck is so powerful. And, you know, just the, the teamwork of building the decks last minute from the decks we had brought with us and pulling stuff out and, calling people and sourcing pieces to the point where literally the four of us all got to build the exact same 60 and we went into the day and played the exact 60 uh same 60 for the event and just that then after afterwards there was a joe's crab shack and we're like well now we're mentally exhausted so let's go get some joe's crab shack and eat and just hang out and it was like just such a cool event and i I know that's not necessarily like I guess it is Pokemon because we were building the decks and stuff like that, but just the the experience, the going to an area I don't normally frequent and having a meal with really good friends but the night before a really cool event and it's our first big event. And I think that's probably my best memory uh, in Pokemon so far. Um, Knoxville was a close one because that was just really cool to do well at that event um, or do semi well at that event with friends again in a different area, but it wasn't the first time, you know what I mean? It's just that first, first big event. And you realizing that these friends, these people I like knew were my friends already, like that kind of solidified, like, Hey, these are going to be long-term friends that I can just sit down, have a good dinner with and not talk about Pokemon after we just got done playing Pokemon. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, mine was not dealing with Team Northwest, uh, but <laughs> no. Um, by like I don't know core Pokemon memories. You know, obviously, like Pokemon's been a part of my life ever since I was like a kid. But um, I have to say, like one that sticks out to me most, and it's kind of an unorthodox memory. But my buddy had his bachelor party at in his friend's basement. Um, we played board games. We played video games. And he told me to bring Pokemon cards, so I brought my cube. And my cube is so ragtag. It's full of sword and shield and sun and moon cards and combinations that I thought would be fun and ended up being either broken or just not fun at all. Um, but I, none of them, except for the, um, the, the bachelor boy himself, uh, really understood how to like play Pokemon cards. So cubing was like very not going to be fun at the in the first place but everyone drafted everyone played and you know i got i got them all in on the rules it's a 40 card four prize format so the games go quick and you kind of pick up things really quickly and the you don't have to build like a 60 card deck and memorize all 60 cards you have but getting them in on the interactions and having everyone you know draft pokemon that they've never seen before or some of their favorites and you know just kind of talk about the game out loud and understand it was like really fun for me. I'm never that person who jumps on the learn to play topic uh, when it comes to like teaching the kids, just because we have players in the community who are better at dealing with younger players than I am, but teaching all of my friends how to play something that I was interested in and then seeing that spark in them that they were like interested in it was a really cool feeling for me so like me and 11 other people were just playing pokemon cards drafting decks shuffling it all back together drafting again 
and that was that was a really cool moment for me yeah that's that has to be pretty awesome like i could just see just trying to teach people um how to play like on the fly like that we, drunk drunk that adults was, mind you <laughs> yeah exactly well and that was almost going to be mine because whenever i i was so, similar to mine my whenever i first got back into it um uh, a friend that i'm no longer friends with unfortunately um and a bunch of other friends we we bought a bunch of theme decks and we used to just have like thursdays where go to someone's house and someone picks up a case of beer and we play theme decks all night and then the one friend got uh was so mad at losing all the time he's like screw this i'm playing Yu-Gi-Oh!" and so then we switched to Yu-Gi-Oh! for a while <laughs> and i was just like i absolutely like after just 20 minute turns and i'm just like i hate Yu-Gi-Oh!" i'm never playing this again and i like went back to pokemon and they still played Yu-Gi-Oh!" and i'm like yeah i'm just gonna go to my local league and keep playing pokemon you guys have fun with Yu-Gi-Oh!" <laughs> yeah screw that yeah, but that was a super fun question. Thanks again for meeting up, and thanks again for having the question on the pod. I hope we uh, satisfied that for you. And if anybody else has questions for us to have answered on the pod, make sure you're hitting up our Twitter at PCS underscore pod. Uh, quick Patreon Discord update. Our next webcam locals will be May 24th at 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. This will be in standard format. The GLC tournaments will resume in June as a bonus tournament so we will also have standard in june as well the date and times for both of those tourneys uh will be announced at a later date predictions for hartford and malmo regionals justin you got the hot hand i'll let you pick first oh let's see what the old what i can think of um Gardevoir, I think we'll see a little decrease in play, not much, um, because people have already committed to buying the pieces. Granted, it's gotten cheaper. Arctina is really good, which is V-Stars. Also, we didn't see a lot of Gudra, and I think that'll make a lot of people forget about it, and it might actually not do horrible. I think for Hartford, we're going to see Gardevoir. And I think for Malmo, we'll see um, Gudra. I think that's going to be my predictions there. Um, I don't know why necessarily, but I think that's going to be the case. All right. All right. I respect it. Uh, Hartford, Mew VMAX, Malmo, Arceus Pile. Something 4-3 Arceus, 2-2 insert Pokemon here. Um, that Umbreon list that uh, Makani Tron and all them played was really sick. I think that there are some obvious inclusions that were missing from that deck that definitely could have uh, catapulted it into maybe a higher placing. Uh, but I think that Malmo will probably be won by an arc pile of some sort, um, featuring Duraludon. Let's put it that way. Yeah, we actually didn't even do any honorable mentions. That would have been a great honorable mention because that deck was like I, I just briefly glanced over it and it looked pretty sick, honestly. Like I've got to do some more research into it. Yeah, no, it's definitely a very cool list. But with that being said, Justin, go ahead and plug the show. All right, guys, if you guys want to find me on Twitter, my handle is PokeBrewsTCG, and if you want to find me on Instagram, my handle is PokeBrews. Instagram is the easiest way to reach me currently, um, but on both socials you can find my Linktree account where you can find things like my TCG Player affiliate link. Um, if you guys use that link, any shopping you do directly supports the show and upcoming regionals expenses. 
all while costing you nothing extra. You can also find things like our PCS Podcast official merchandise by Bonfire, um, and that link is bonfire.com slash store slash pcspod. We also have a Twitch channel where we'll be live streaming the pod every week as soon as that gets going, um, as well as doing some tabletop games, and you can find that at twitch.tv slash pcspod. And on to you, Drew. All right. If you want to find me on Twitter, YouTube, or Instagram, I am KatanaTCG. Make sure you're sleeving up your favorite deck or storing your collection in the premium accessories provided by Ultimate Guard. The easiest way to get your hands on the full line of their current collection is Amazon.com. Or you can win some stuff by playing in our events or partaking in our monthly giveaways. If you'd like to be a part of those events and those giveaways, make sure you're joining our Patreon at patreon.com slash Podcast. And that does it for the show. Justin, sign us off. We'll see you guys next week. See ya.